When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 881, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. She packed my bags last night, free flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. Hey, I'm Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, Josh. It's been a week. You're not doing okay. I'm not doing great. All right. I'm not doing great. I've got a little bit of an illness situation going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something. Yep. I'm not super psyched about this right now. What, the illness? No, I just, I just don't really feel like doing this. The show? Yeah. I know I'll be fine and I'll have fun, but right now, I'm just saying, I never say that. I never feel that, but no, I got up here and I was like, ugh. You want to be watching basketball right I now. I do, but also, it's it's like 90 degrees. I'm back in this stupid office, and I decided I was like, I'm not going to put my air conditioner in because it's only May. But then it was 90 for a couple of days, and I just watched the temperature go up all day, and I'm just, you know... You're not prepared. You forgot about climate change and uh, all the stuff that goes with it. I mean, it's it's just that's just a mental health issue right now. It's just to forget about climate change if you can, or or it's just like it's endemic to our species. One of the two. I can't tell. At least you didn't have what I had this week, which was you know you hit a certain age and you're like like you get you know the flu or a cold, a really bad cold, and you're laying there and you're thinking, is this it? <laughs> you know, am I going to fall asleep and not wake up? I've never thought that. I do. I'm well, when you get you. really sick and you feel Not really much. terrible, yes. you're just like, I guess this is it. You don't think that when you're 22, because at 22, immortality is keen in your mind. Mortality is a foreign concept. But uh, when you're older, you're just like, I guess this could be it. Do you, oh, well. What I always try to think of is after it's gone, when you feel amazing. Oh, sure. Like a week later when you go, oh, I don't feel awful. This is amazing. You're just back to baseline. Before, baseline sucked. But now baseline's awesome. By the way, this this opening tells you how excited we are to talk about these this week's comics. You know, you're talking about the mental illness of not thinking about all the things that are happening, but you know, human beings have a hard time seeing beyond the the moment they're in. So you get that point in time where you've been sick for days, you're just like, well, this is it. Like I've mm-hmm. never, I don't even remember not being sick. I guess yeah. this is how it's always going to be. That's how your brain deals with it because you can't think rationally. Well, you know, I'll be fine in a week, but no, you're like, well, I'm always going to feel terrible, <laughs> and. uh that's not what happened. I thought I was week. the one with depression. Every week, one of us picks the book <laughs> it's been a hard like week. the best. When I swallow, it feels like I've got glass in my throat. All right. We should mist you or something. The comic book that we like the best, 
This is the worst opening of the show ever. It's not a good week of comics, so I'm not trying to get to the books. I actually don't agree with that. It's well, just to, to preview what's going on. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best in their stack of comics. That is called The Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book. Other comics that came out, there's a patron pick. We will answer mail if we have time. And God help us if we don't have time for that this week. There are spoilers about the books. Connor, apparently you had the unfortunate duty. I had to pick. I ended up reading 12 books. I started the week with, I think, eight on my list. And I ended up adding four. Either I'd forgotten and missed or just added to the stack. Uh, there were books I liked. There were certainly books that I enjoyed reading. But a lot of them were just like, yeah, that was another good issue of that book. Or that was the least good issue of that book I've read, you know, mm. my clobbering time. But, you know, when I finished my stack, I told you I wasn't sure what I was going to pick. I looked at a few comics. There's a couple of books that were in contention, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about them. But I ended up going back to Traveling to Mars. And there's actually a G in that. Traveling to Mars, number six from Ablaze. 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 Mark Russell with art by Roberto Dakar Melli. Apparently he has a nickname. Giardi he really likes that, that off-road desert race. The Dakar <laughs> rallies into it. Gentili on letters. This is a very Italian book. This book, by the way, received two Eisner nominations. One for Best New Series and one for Best Writer for Mark Russell. Is this a series? I thought this was a miniseries. I have a real problem keeping up with your non-front-of-diamond catalog Mark Russell stuff for whatever reason. Well, I just subscribe to them on Comixology, so they just show up in my box. And I think that that's the thing is that I buy that first one, and then I don't even like I never think about it again. Even like I go through the list, and I just maybe I just don't see it. I would not see it. So I have to subscribe. I'm heartened to know that you enjoyed this, and I would like. It's to a bummer you didn't read this one because this one I think you would have liked quite I a bit. I still can. I kind of remember the first issue. I couldn't believe you were up to six. Couldn't believe it. Because I subscribe after the first issue. I go, okay, I like that. Subscribe to series. And it just shows up in my box every, every time. When we recorded it and we stopped talking about the first issue, we moved on to whatever was next on the list, I uh -huh. never thought of it again. Hmm. I've been reading it the whole time. So this is the story of the guy with terminal cancer who's been shot into space by a corporation to go to Mars because the first person who lands on Mars gets like mineral rights or whatever. So the, there's a corporate race to get someone to Mars. And so he's the one who's on his way. You're not going to come back. There's no other comic that I read where I feel both enlightened and depressed afterwards like this book because it's about right it's a lot of this guy sitting in this ship contemplating his failures or the human race and what it means to be the cog in the corporate like all the stuff that mark russell does mm -hmm. but in a slightly sadder tone than he don't he does in other books mm -hmm. but well my favorite part about this book and this is actually my favorite part of you know comics all week was this issue opens up and he's got some bogeys for the first time there's some other ships coming up behind him and they're gaining on him and this reminded me a lot of The Expanse. So he says, this is not like the movies where you can just sort of, you know, accelerate and, and pull a hard burn stop and have a shootout. Like it's like, he's like, that's not what flying in space is. If flying in space is all, you use all your power to get into space and then you use the, the rest of it's just inertia. He says, it's more like taking a raft on the Mississippi River than anything else, flying in space. So he said, they clearly used a hell of a lot of energy to catch me. They're going faster than I am. So eventually they're going to get to me before I get to Mars. And so what do I do? You know, there's not going to be a shootout in space. I can't maneuver. There's no evasive maneuvers here. No one's jumping into hyperspace to escape here. And so he and his his handler at home figure out a, a way to stop these guys from getting to him and, and killing him. And it was a really sort of, you know, hard. We talked about hard sci-fi a couple of episodes ago on some mm -hmm. show. It was a very hard sci-fi space battle in which in the dumbest way possible. And what, I, what I mean that, in it, you know, there's no yeah. blasters. There's no cannons. It's literally he takes his fire extinguishers puts these magnets on them, sets a little device to turn them on remotely, and, and he throws them at the other ships. The, the magnet attached to the ships, he turns the things on, and the inertia from the fire extinguisher shoots them off into space in other opposite directions. 
it was just really fun, cool, hard sci-fi. Nice. And uh, I really liked it. It was just, it was not the whole book, but it was like a, the first half. I was like, that was a really fun. I, you can picture Mark Russell sitting down and figuring out, okay, you know, physics wise, how does this work? How does this happen? And it was really fun and cool. And the rest of it was sort of similar of him thinking back to his childhood and learning a lesson about saving little animals. Like it's just all been very interesting. And there's a reason why I got some Eisner nominations. I really like it. It's a really good, solid book. And I'm sad you didn't, you didn't read it. I'm actually very sad. I'm sorry. It is ongoing as far as we know. I mean, I mean, he's going to die. What does anything mean? Best new series implies ongoing, but what does, what does that mean anymore in comics? Mm -hmm. You know, we're six issues in. I don't know how much longer we can have these ruminations on life and death and everything. So something's going to have to happen eventually. He's going to have to get to Mars I mean, or something. Then again, the book's called Traveling to Mars, not called Arriving at Mars. So who knows? Right, right, right. Well, there's all sorts of things you can do to break the expectations on that. So this is the one where he's got Stevie Ray Vaughan's hat? Yes. All right. Yes. I remember that. The guy with terminal cancer who used to work in a pet shop who has been sent into space. And his family gets money, and being in space will slow the progression of his disease, so he won't die as quickly, and et cetera, et cetera. It's very good, right. and you you will you will like the little sci-fi. I'm sure. In the middle. I was captivated by just the description of it, so I'm good to go. Yeah, you'll like it. It wasn't a choice; it was just an, an oversight. I understand. I'm not gonna have to email you every time one of these books comes out. Like, did you subscribe to the book, Josh? Yeah. Doctor Strange, 429. I, I did like this one. You told me, you're like, what about Doctor Strange? I said, that was good. And it, it was probably in the second or third position. I think this probably would have been my pick of the week, but I actually really enjoyed books that I read this week from Marvel. But basically all the books I read this week from I Marvel, one DC so that's book. not It was not a very hard. good week. It was all Marvel. I started to read a DC book, and I was like, nah. I had two DC books, actually. The Patreon pick was a DC yeah. book. So it's kind of a one-shot story. And I had actually yeah. forgotten that there's a murder mystery that happened in the first issue because the last issue didn't deal with it at all. So what we have here is the, I guess, annual or at least semi-regular parley day where Dr. Strange, he goes and he has a meeting with the Dread Dormammu. And the <laughs> bookend of it is that the very first thing you see is a happy family on one page and the dad is getting himself dressed up and he's like, it's, it's promotion day and the kids are all excited and the wife is happy about it. Yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, something's going to go happen at his job and from his little sort of regular middle class house in Yonkers. And then what you find out is that in order to be on the mortal plane, Dormammu must have a human host. And mm. by being in that host, he kills it. Yeah. And Strange knows it and he hates it. But he also knows that the hosts are like members of Dormammu's church cult, whatever it is, the like cult, their followers. Yeah. Are, so they volunteer themselves to do it. You know, basically, this is just verbal sparring between Dormammu and Steve as they walk. Steve, I don't know what that's about. His friends call him Steve. They walk yeah. through Manhattan, you know, and then it's a yearly uh, parlay. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they got to make sure that, uh, I don't know, that things are in order as they understand them to maintain the balance, whatever it is. And you know, the whole thing is there's a there's a trick. That happens. That Steve acts. Steve, I did it again. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> deal with it. Steve, I call uh, him Steve. <laughs> you know, he he finds a way to get the the guy free, and you know, it, it pisses off. And as we're going through it, we're like, well, he's beaten Dormammu a lot of times, and Dormammu yeah, is not. It ends up being almost like a greatest hits. Yeah, they go through their adventures together, and they they all have editor's notes, and they all take place throughout the history of mm -hmm. Doctor Strange. He's like, yeah, but you know, I beat you then, and I beat you when you did this, and I beat you when you did that, and they're all flashbacks. This was like a total Jed McKay special. Yes. Where it, it dives deep into the Marvel history. It takes something interesting and fun, and the idea of these guys parlaying once a year where it's like, you know, you know they don't try to hurt each other or attack each other. They have, they have a parlay, and 
Yeah, it was fun. I like. I mean, the, the only tiny, uh, minute nitpick, and I like the Pasquale Fairy art a lot, is I think Doctor Strange. I call him Doctor Strange. His hair is weird. That weird, like it's not a widow's peak. It's like right. it comes to like a. Okay, like a, I see it. Almost like it's like a like, like the letter three on top of his head. The little Mickey Mouse ears. The letter three, the number three. Jesus, this cold <laughs> medicine is really worth it. Steve, oh. Yeah, I think it's interesting is that I've been noticing it in in these Jed McKay books is that like the Doctor Strange dialogue is now straight out of the 60s. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a little while, he was just talking like a normal person. And it's really interesting because for a little while, we couldn't tell the difference between him and Tony Stark. They looked yeah, the they, same. They sounded same the same. Yeah. But we have returned Doctor Strange to this. You know, I, I don't know if it's bombastic mystical yeah like no one talks like this yeah you know he comes home and he and he's like he's like i am returned darling was your gambit <laughs> yeah, exactly. a success my love well i surgically removed a man's faith by the way that is a fantastic sentence and concept i yeah. surgically removed a man's faith not right. sure how i feel about that but regardless he will live how was your day <laughs> like it's just you know and then that yeah. sort of last page of the thing is is that cleo opens a is it clea cleo clea clea Clear. Opens up an invitation to her mother's wedding, and there's a great, like, overdramatic face on Doctor Strange, Steve. You know, right. huh? you know, it's all way the whole thing is overdramatized, and it fits it so well, and it's really fun. You know, for the life of this show, we always said we like Doctor Strange. He's a fun mm-hmm. spice in the Marvel universe, and then somewhere around the uh, Brian K. Vaughn phase, when he did that miniseries. He sort of came back as, and yep. then he got added to the new Avengers. And I don't know the timeline and all that stuff. It could have been back either, but he went from being someone who would occasionally show up in things to becoming a main player. And then he's had a he's had a book fairly regularly for years now. Yeah, and yeah, they've, yeah. They've all been really good. They have. It's been a good long line of Jason Aaron to Mark Wade to whoever did the last one to Jed McKay. And they've been different. They've been yes. good and different. This is just uh, it's been fun for a while, and I usually look forward to these books. And I just this was a really fun single issue. And I really enjoyed it. The backup story, which I didn't I really that. know who the character was. I read it. It was fine. It wasn't my favorite art, but I think there was a little bit of the, th- oh, I was with Nico. That's right. From the Runaways. And it was fine. It was just a couple of pages. Take a little, little backup there. I would say if you are at all Dr. Strange curious, this would be a good issue to pick up because yeah. it sort of gives you the tone. It gives you the feel. You it's would also issue. think that this marriage that he has now, and, and this isn't new. Clea has been around for a very long time. She showed up in the comics, and then you know they finally got a chance to be together again. And now they are, quote-unquote, happily married. And that has to end somehow. But it, it works for it right now, I think. Sure. Zelda's not part of this anymore. They moved all those people off to Strange Academy. This is better for it. I like this. Because she has her own secrets, yeah. right? She killed the guy that yeah. everything's built around. So she's keeping this major secret. And we don't know that. I thought we saw it happen. Didn't we see her kill him? I don't think so. That's I why think she, it she's was, acting all I think it was strongly hinted guilty. at. Anyway, the point is, if she did do it, that would be the thing that blows up and yeah. sends him apart again. So that's like hanging over the mm-hmm. whole thing. It's it's very well done. Yeah. I really dug it as a book. I also found myself very happy with the, so I guess the conclusion of uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 920. Yeah. The conclusion of the, uh, what is this called? I don't even know the name of the story. The guy. Called. Whatever. First of all, first page. I was like, who is this middle-aged career woman from 1984? It's like, oh, it's Miss Marvel. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Romita doesn't have a good handle on on her. You know what's even worse than that? That page is actually, it's so basically it's a page of uh, Kamala Khan interviewing for a job at Oscorp Engineer, whatever it's called. And uh, she gets, I was like, how the fuck she get in the door? Right. 
She didn't put her name on the resume. She doesn't right. do any of the jobs. It's like, that's not how the world works at all. That's more <laughs> unbelievable than superpowers. <laughs> Seb Wells hasn't had to have a regular job in a while. <laughs> I guess not. I just don't care about this villain at all. And so there's a lot of villain gobbledygook in this issue. There's a lot of things yeah, that happen. Yeah, but the thing is, is the villain isn't the story. I mean, like, it's it's the way that we get to the thing where, you know, Mary Jane existed a long time without Peter and started this other life. And the sort of flashback to understanding all that stuff, how Peter has been acting the whole time. I liked all of that. And I thought that the solution that happened at the end, leading to the sort of big event uh, at the yeah. very end, was was all... Really well done. The switcheroo happened. Well, yeah. Really, well, I, I don't even want to. Not even want to get. But either way, as as like a thing, I really enjoyed all those moving pieces. I also really enjoyed the page where Peter and the Fantastic Four have not been getting along well, and yeah. they show up in a ridiculous vehicle that apparently rebuilt for the occasion, <laughs> which was fantastic. he's, he's really smart, but is he really fast? Oh, it doesn't. Just because he's smart doesn't mean he can build a vehicle. In you five know, minutes. but they show up and they're like, "You've been our friend for a long he's time." He's got don't droids, worry about it. they can do it for him. Yeah, I I thought that was really so. To me, a lot of this was like the villain was whatever. I thought there's a lot of good Spider-Man gosh stuff in here. There was, and it made me happy. You know, we gave the spoiler warning, so we'll spoil it. So, actually, this was in contention for pick of the week, and I'll tell you mm -hmm. why. So, at the end of the issue, Miss Marvel gets killed. Quotes. Mm -hmm. It got leaked last week or the week before. I don't remember what you know, caused a big firestorm on the internet and all the usual places. And I'd read all that, so I was expecting that going in, and then here. Mary Jane gets stabbed. We know that's been like the fear for people for a sure. while that they're going to kill a Mary Jane officer. I bought it. Uh -huh. I was like, oh shit, was that all a ruse? Yeah. For like two pages, I was like, oh shit, they really killed Mary Jane. I bought it. They totally got me. And then it yes. turns out it's Miss Marvel using her shape-shifting abilities. But they got me and I'm a veteran comic book reader. Now, granted, right. I was on a lot of cold medicine. <laughs> and Wednesday was pretty bad <laughs> in terms of how sick I was. We'll, we're going to get to that later on when we talk about another book. But I was just like, wow, they totally did it. And then it's revealed... Uh, it was actually her. I don't understand how Mary Jane looked like Miss Marvel. I guess she didn't. I guess didn't. there were two Mary Janes. They just hit her. Yeah, no, there's just two. I will also say, though, that I guess it got me. I didn't realize it was her, but like when they revealed that it was Kamala, like I had a feeling. I was like, oh, yeah. no, because she's a great character. She will be back in time for her movie for the grand I'm sure, return. but like, you know. The sort of it's, just, it's a difference in Doctor Strange dying. It's going to be yeah. The fact that you know they tease the end, the death of Kamala Khan miniseries, and then there'll right. be a Miss Marvel number one. The month the movie comes out, it's a lock. But taking it on its own, I thought it was a like you know for a moment that we know is fleeting and not true. I, they did a great job. I, I mean, this is great, John Romita. It's great, John Romita. My poking at his anachronisms isn't me not right. the art. The art's terrific. Those are features, not bugs. I kept waiting for Paul to be revealed to be part of an early 90s soul <laughs> acapella group with that facial hair he's got going on. <laughs> Maybe he's the guy that talks real low in the songs. <laughs> they got rid of the kids as we predicted they would. Yeah. Can't have them. Which was no, also was like good issue. lots of melodrama. Big yeah. time, old school Stanley Ramita melodrama. Right. I felt like this brought that. Like this would make you throw your suit in a trash can and walk away. Right. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it brought I was looking forward to a new like I haven't been yes. loving this particular bad guy scenario, so I've been I've been waiting for a new scenario. Yeah. This is the only Zeb Wells arc I haven't like loved so far. Yeah, but to me, like this feels like what Amazing Spider-Man should feel like. The very last comic I read this week was Clobberin' Time number three, which is the spot reserved for my most anticipated comic. Yeah, although that doesn't really work anymore because now I read half the books on what Tuesday and half on Wednesday, so it doesn't really work. But it was my last Wednesday book, and I was waiting. For, I was like, please knock my socks off because nothing has yet. And you know, it gave me uh, Ben Grimm butt. Yeah, which. 
you know, of all of the three issues, this is my least favorite. He teams up with Doctor Strange in this issue, and it was not as fun as the Wolverine or the uh, Hulk ones, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked it a yeah, lot. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. It just wasn't as good as the other ones. And I, it was fine. There's a bit where basically Strange gets almost killed, and there's a, a elixir of life, you know, and it yeah. gets smashed, and Thing has to flick a boogie of it off his hand, and it goes straight into you know he Strange's drop mouth, and it saves his life. There's a bookend of there with Aunt Petunia, and I don't know what the uncle's name is, but you know they're in a restaurant, and the uncle keeps taking selfies, and <laughs> it was funny. I enjoyed it, but like if nothing else, like the art in this is fantastic. Oh, so and good. We do need to come back to the butt. <laughs> I turn the page and I see anybody who is married is going to recognize this scene. Mm-hmm. One of the spouses hasn't been the other was just standing there, butt akimbo. Well, she's blind, so he could be doing that all the time. She'd have no idea. Yeah, but either way, people do it anyway. And eventually, yeah. if you're married, you can you learn to have a sort of blindness anyway. And, uh, you know, it's this dripping, and I just thought, I've never even considered seeing this. I've never thought about Ben Grimm's butt. Well, you can't, because then it leads to other things you have to question, and then the whole well, house oh, yeah, no. falls down. My, my friend Patrick and I had a conversation about this, and it's like, he definitely has to use a bidet, right? Like... Or just how does the marital situation work? Oh, it, oh, totally. Falls but, apart. So the the best part of this, though, is that, and this is like deep comic book storytelling stuff that I picked up on and loved. There's that shot, which is in totally homey, and I'd never seen it. I was like, it's really yeah. interesting. He picks out his little trunks, and then over the next, like, he puts them on. You can see him snapping them into place. You know, like, there's this whole little domestic thing that happens with his little trunks. And apparently, like, are those like his underwear? I was like, is he sleeping in trunks right. that are exactly the same trunks as he wears outside? I mean, I'm guessing he has to wear he those. He has the one outfit. Yeah, I mean, he can't have a soft cotton. No, but I assume his, his sleepwear is also mm-hmm. unstable molecules. But can it be a different design? Can he get Just, some flowers on there? He wants or, to be able know? to jump up. You know, at any point, I liked the yes. device of, you know, like the villain, whoever it is, is looking at him through little tiny portals in space and time. And then he opens up one that he falls through. And that page where he steps in and then falls through, it doesn't make sense at first. And then you realize what it is. And you're like, that's amazing. Like, it's just beautiful. Well, then there's the big black page at the end, which is yeah. the tiny, tiny thing falling in the, in the, so in the way good. in the back. And, it, I mean, you know, that's a use of scale we don't often see in comics like that. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the Doctor Strange a lot. His hair is nicer here. Mm-hmm. It's good. But he was still a pretty arch Doctor Strange, too. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he was hammed up, and I like it. For sure. Punisher number 12. I don't think it has a real number to it. This is the last issue of the Jason Aaron, Jesus Saiz, and Paul Zaceta. Frank Castle as the hand of the, is it the fist? Yeah. The fist hand of, the, of the hand of the fist. Fist of the beast. Whatever. Fist of the beast. I am not the world's biggest Frank Castle fan. I think I've said this before. But each issue as this went on, uh, I, I really came to appreciate it. Yeah, you've talked about almost every issue. There's no yeah. latest numbering in this one. And I think it's a really interesting examination of this thing that is Frank Castle. So the whole time we're like, there's this fantastical, ridiculous story where, you know, they've made him the messenger of the beast and he's mm-hmm. been groomed to be a killer since forever, but it's really just, you know, it's part of who he is and and whatever. But these flashbacks and then how his wife interpreted him during that time and how he does, like, you can see his, I don't know, like some combination, (laughs) I was about to say some combination between the words and art, or as they call it, comic books. (laughs) I don't know, some kind of combination of story and character that I really like It really, I, I actually thought that we, I don't think that the, character necessarily grew 
maybe realized stuff or accepted or was stuff that he already knew. But our understanding of the character, at least, you know, temporarily within this context, did grow. You don't often get a lot of extra cognizance of these characters in any way. And I just thought it was a dumb setup, but it, it ended up being very meaningful in the context of the thing. Did it end with a slate being wiped or is, it, is he still the no, hand of the fist? No, he's no. So he gets like the Avengers to like, hey, you're fucking killing everybody. You can't do that. So they capture him and he's, you know, in the basement with Stephen Strange again. Can't get away from him this week. Steve is yep. everywhere. And basically they're like, well, we're going to let the guys figure out what we're going to do. So he, you know, talks to Logan and he talks to Captain America and he talks to Natasha and he talks to Moon Knight and... I'll just, I guess I'll just give it like he basically disintegrates himself, sort of like he kills himself. And then, you know, we cut and he seems to be in some, it's like he's in hell and he's helping souls go. Who knows? I don't know. But he's kind of dead, but he's kind of not. And he's doing his thing. It was really good. It was way better than it had any right to be. And it was like, oh, there's, there's Jason Aaron. That's mm-hmm. Jason Aaron in there. I think it was really perfect for him. And oh, yeah, Paul he's, he's, he's just, one of the best yeah. Punisher writers, right? Oh, yeah. Going way back, way, way back. Yep. Him and Griffin is the best modern really writers. good 12 issues, and it got better as I have gone. I'm really glad I read it. I can never recall. Are you also a big Rocketeer fan? I like the idea of the Rocketeer. Okay, I don't so really care about the property. It's it's you two, but if we're talking about like Dave Stevens, like yeah. that, that sure. art is undeniable. Okay, so... Our old co-host Ron and I, we're big Rocketeer fans. Always excited for a new Rocketeer book. And this was a one-shot special simply titled The Rocketeer. Which was difficult to find. Did you read it? Yeah, I did read it. Okay. Adam Hughes? Are you kidding me? This was three stories. And I'll be honest with you, about three quarters of the way through, I was like, oh, this is going to be the pick of the week. Mm -hmm. And then something happened, which we'll get to. So first story was written by uh, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. They wrote the movie, the only movie there's ever been, which is strange considering all the IP being mined right now. Hmm. Adam Hughes drew it. And how often does that happen? And this is a fun story in which, you know, Cliff, the Wizard Rocketeer, recounts his friendship with Amelia Earhart. And I thought it was fun and sweet. And it was, you know, it was a good amount of Adam Hughes. It was like one, two, three, four, five. And it was, it was, it wasn't like eight pages. Oh, this guy hasn't drawn in a while or he's phoning in or whatever. I was like, oh, it's fucking perfect. (laughs) It's Adam Hughes. Like, I think I've seen stuff he did. And this was better than that. Like, it's really good, Adam Hughes. It's really good. Like, if you're going to talk about somebody who, can live up to the legacy that Dave Stevens left behind. I I couldn't tell you a better choice. I mean, yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. On the sexy cheesecake side, like a little bit, but mostly just really clean and beautiful cartooning. Oh. There's a page digitally six, mm-hmm. sort of the reveal shot of Amelia Earhart. Yeah. But that panel, the bottom, on the panel? bottom panel. Oh my yeah. God. Look how it's curved. Like yeah. we're under the guy's throat. The people curve you down to the left corner, mm-hmm. and then the tower takes you up into the into the plane. So that's, that's the the way it takes your eye in that sweeping motion. The chin like looks wizened and like oh, he's just so good. It's crazy. That it's, whole page is magnificent. Yeah. She's breaking the panels with her elbows. There's a silhouette shot, and not, not only a silhouette shot, but like Cliff is like pulling on his jacket. Acting. So great oh. acting. Yeah, he is criminally good. He's so fucking good. Yeah. And then look at the next page eight when he's, you know, the, the great soaring shot yep. of Rocketeer plus the panel above where he's looking at the helmet. Oh, it's just like so The shape good. of Cliff's body. Like you, you get instantly know what like kind of build he has. Yeah, and he's, it's not not, like a, he's not a superhero. He's right. just a lanky dude. Exactly. And it's not like, you know, like a lot of people can only kind of draw one body type. 
But, yeah. you know, and you can be like, oh, wow, he draws really pretty girls. And he does in like that classic sort of, you know, 30s pinup kind of way that he yeah. does. But that's not the only anatomy he's really fucking good at. Yeah, he's really good at everything. Yeah. I still remember as a kid when he drew Justice League a couple issues and I was like, what is happening? Yeah. What am I feeling inside? <laughs> I was feeling a lot of things. It was very complicated. Sure. Fire was on the team, but also I was like, this art's really good. So the next story involves Cliff late to a date. As always, his girlfriend, Betty, wants to go see this sci- uh, this uh, speaker talk about science stuff. And she's given him a fedora as a present, so he's going to wear the fedora. And, of course, everything goes wrong. There's a heist at the museum where the talk is. The speaker is a very handsome scientist with round glasses. There's a big fight. And the Rocketeer ends up getting help from the scientist who has a whip. And he's Indiana Jones. But not really, but is. But he is. And then he gets the hat. Because the finger's like, hey, this hat. And I'm like, what the fuck's that about? And she's like, you look better with a hat than he does. And The hat changes color. I don't know if you noticed, but it's brown and then it becomes green, which is yeah, weird. Yeah, and then the, the shadows in the other Jones. Whatever. That was kind of dumb, but it was kind of fun. But it was, was like, fun. Hey, you know, whatever. Who cares? The dog is the star of this story. <laughs> the dog, Cliff, I don't know why. Oh, I see what's happening. The beginning is great. The dog is driving the car. The, the, he, Cliff has strapped a bone to the wheel, <laughs> right. and so the dog, who's kind of a bulldog and becomes more of a bulldog as it goes on, whatever, but Cliff is in the back, and I believe that he's rocket packeting. Yeah, if you look at the second page, quickly. you can see the side shot. He's yeah. so late to the date, he has, he's having the dog steer while he rockets the truck, mm-hmm. and I don't know a lot about dogs. I know this is a bad idea. <laughs> and that ends up look, happening where the dog gets distracted and turns his head and, they, and the whole thing Look at the second right. page of this story. And there's the side shot. You can see the car is beautiful, by the way. And then you have an inset shot that is a continuation. Who drew this second story? This is Craig Cermak. I know that. I've heard the name before. Laura Martin coloring. Kelvin Mao on the story. Good story. Inset of uh, the panel where the, the truck is that extends from the back of the guy's coat. It's almost not a panel because it cuts the existing panel. Mm-hmm. The dog looks to his left and sees a beautiful poodle, falls in love, swerves the car. By the way, that was inevitable, Cliff. <laughs> yes. I know a lot about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the last thing the dog does. He brings the dog into the talk. Yeah. Dog, you watch my shit under the table. <laughs> dog does it. <laughs> That's all about this dog. Sorry, I love I, the dog. So I finished the second story. And I was like, all right, we're two for two. If the third story isn't good, we're out of here for pick of the week. And it's written by uh, Robert Wyndham and drawn by Jay Lee. And first of all, we finally answered the question, who's the slower artist, Adam Hughes or Jay Lee? It's Jay Lee. <laughs> Can you imagine the he editor going, with, who do you got on this book? Uh, it's Jay Lee and Adam Hughes. Uh. <laughs> so Jay Lee's story is only four pages, and so which is half of uh, Adam Hughes' story. It's beautiful. I've never seen him draw like this, this kind of character, this kind of scenario. I really liked his Rocketeer. But it wasn't really a story. No. It was more like a scene. Not even. And so I finished it. I was like, well, I mean, I can't really give it the pick of the week. But I think you can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous four pages. Four pages. And then the rest of it is pure gold. I wasn't even thinking it was the pick of the week until we got to talking about it. And I really started looking at these panels. Oh, man. What a treat. It's just a one shot. You could and should go out and pick this. We put this in the short section, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, because originally, it was, well, we'll get to why in a second. Yeah. There's a couple of good pinups with Phil Noto pinup and you know, Adam Hughes Kickstarter cover and a Jay Lee cover. This is joyous. This, this, I'm, I'm always so happy when they do these. Yeah. I, yeah. I like the Rocketeer in comics because it, it, the story is going to be what the story is. 
it's a little like Usagi Yojimbo. Like, you're there for the experience of the thing. You're not expecting, you know, like, the story to blow you away. It's you want to spend a little time in no, this no, type yeah, absolutely. of world. It's not like you're reading Watchmen. It's not some right. intricately plotted exactly. masterpiece. It's a fun, pulpy adventure serial. That's kind of what I want. I mean, that's what Indiana Jones is not the most, yeah. you know, intricately written thing ever. It's really fun, though. But because of, like, it's a it's a skeleton on which you can hang really fun comic book art. That's what, like, all the art in these tends to be fun because they, I don't know, I feel like artists really want to step up when they're working in the Dave Stevens legacy. Yeah. And, you know, you get to live in this pulpy, you know, 1930s, you know, it's just fun to watch people draw that. And then the man flying with a jetpack. We'll never get over being interested in the man with a jetpack. Oh, we loved it in the 80s. Yeah. Every kid wanted a fucking jetpack. And a ninja star. And we didn't realize we'd probably burn our feet. But whatever. It's, it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Finally, Alien 2. No, Alien number 2. Uh, <laughs> not Aliens, which is doesn't have a 2, but uh, it's a fine jank. If, if that came up today, the ass would be a 2 in the title. I don't even want to. Don't even. Just shut up. Shut, <laughs> I'm just saying that's what would happen. It would be aliens, mouth. and that would be a two in the, t- in, the, in the typography. All right, so Declan Shalvey wrote this one. Actually, look at the cover. There's a 20th Century Studios logo in the yeah, that in was the corner. Yeah, I just I didn't notice it before, but it's like a little different. Doesn't bother me at all. Declan Shalvey writing this one, drawn by Andrea Brocardo. This is a pretty straightforward alien story. You got some people, there's a small group, and they're stranded somewhere on this little moon. They find some alien shit, and they're like, what is this? Then Weyland Yutani buys their company, shows up, takes over. A couple of people do some real stupid shit. It's, you, like the yeah. Rocketeer, you want your alien stories to follow a very similar formula. Oh, 100%. You want Where are you going? a dumb person going, what's this? Let me take my mask off and touch it. Oh, that's what you want. It makes you happy. It follows the formula. Man, they pulled the face hugger out of the backpack, and I was like, I got, I was like, ugh. <laughs> it got me. What is this? It says, what the yeah. shit is that? And I was like, oh, dude, that's not good. And then, of course, like, he wakes up, and like, the face hugger's off him, and, you know, you know, this isn't good. And the other people are like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I don't feel great. And I was like, well, here it comes. I want them to hit <laughs> every one of those beats, and they did it. God damn it. They did it real good. And the spaceships are great in this. Yeah, I'm down with it. This isn't like those latter alien movies. This isn't Prometheus. This is just no right. like exploring the nature of man and beast. No. Right. Alien kills motherfuckers who do dumb shit and kills other people who happen to be around the dumb shit motherfuckers. Young Ridley Scott and James Cameron understood the assignment. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> was the assignment. It was not to go too deeply into the heart of man. It was just to have... Dumb people get eaten by aliens because yeah. they're all hubris. Philip Kennedy Johnson, he got a little into hubris, but it was still fun. Declan Shalvey just leaned right into it. This is what it is, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm totally, I support this. So those are the books we want to talk about. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. All the patrons of the show get to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, we had a tight race. Early on, the Rocketeer was in the lead up until like the last three hours of voting. And so when I was putting together the rundown, I had the Rocketeer and the patron pick slot, and I had DC Pride in the short section. And the last second, DC Pride took over the lead and didn't give it up. That's why the Rocketeer ended up in the short section, simply because I was too lazy to rejigger the entire thing. Yeah. Probably should have been in the long section. Anyway, it, it went with it DC was. Pride. Two, 2023, <laughs> number one, the 100-page celebration of Pride Month. Happy Pride, everybody. And uh, this is 10 stories and a tribute to Rachel Pollock, featuring uh, many pinups. And a long intro by Phil Jimenez. 
featuring very many of the LGBTQ characters in DC Universe and creators as well. You know, these anthology things are always a crapshoot at 100 pages and 10 stories. I'm happy if like three are good, just to be honest with you, because I go with low expectations for these things. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. There's 10 stories. If three are good, I'm like, well, that's all right. I told Connor that I would like the patrons to know that I believe 100 pages is too much for a, pick of, for a patron. It's too much. Because <laughs> two hours before the show, I said, you got to read this 100 page book. I was like, that time is booked, dude. They like that. We may have to consider the rules. We'll, we'll deal with that. So, all right. So the first story, and I'm not going to go through every story, but there, there's a couple worth highlighting here. The first story, Love's Lightning Heart, is written by Grant Morrison and Hayden Sherman, is it the artist? Yes. <sighs> this was one of those things I talked about earlier where I was reading this. This was actually, I read this on Tuesday, and Tuesday was the worst day for my illness. And so I could not wrap my head around this story. It wasn't the illness's fault. Okay. I had a real hard time with it. I don't know what happened with Grant Morrison. Like the first volume of his Green Lantern book was awesome. The second volume was like this story. Yes. Where he just, he's, I'm sorry, they've gone into the deep end on their, you know, consciousness. And I don't think I can follow them there. I didn't, I mean, I don't know who the characters were. Well, they're, yeah, they're multiverse versions of Green Lantern and Flash who are in love. I I get it. And it's fine. Yeah. So this is going to be my thing about most of these stories. And I don't really know, I don't really know the intention other than to feature LGBTQ characters. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what the point is. Is We're just doing a story that features, like, like, so like the thing here is that in these other versions, then the Flash and Green Lantern are a couple. Mm -hmm. Fine, but I don't know, I don't know what that says. I don't know what that says about, is that like a celebration on the part of Pride? Or is it like, I don't know. I don't know what the point is other than be like, look, these guys are gay. Okay. It just doesn't seem very significant to me. And I don't know, because I don't have the perspective to be like, maybe somebody else is like, I really needed to see that. It gave me validation. I don't know. But I felt like through a lot of these stories, it was just like, look at these guys. These are gay too. And that's not particularly enlightening. I'm terrified that I'm going to sound horrible here, but I don't think I am. I, I know firmly where I stand in the camp of these things and my support for people to be who they are. but. You know, that story, I was like, well, why am I reading this? Like, it just, like, is the premise that there's some science shit going on, and it turns out that they love each other. Okay. That's the hard thing about a short story, is it doesn't give you a lot to work with. I'm not going to give Grant Morrison earned the, the right for me to expect more. Right. I just, I want to know why. I want to know, it can be anything. It's, also, it's, it's not up to me what's in here, but I did have a hard time connecting with things because I was trying to figure out why we were doing it. Is it just to say we're putting out a pride book? And it, maybe that's enough. If you skip ahead to the Robin, Tim Drake story, I think there was much more of a why there in which it was yes. Robin and Connor Hawk, we'll get to that in a second, talking because they both are, well, Connor's asexual and Tim is bisexual and discussing coming out and, you know, why they didn't lean on each other and how it all worked with Oliver and Bruce. And like that was much more of a, there was more yes. of a why there. And I, I totally, I'm on the same page. Like, to me, it's much more powerful to have a story than a speech. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, tell me a story with these characters and reveal something about them and make them interesting and relatable as opposed to just speechify me. Like, I thought the Midnighter, uh, what's his name, story was much more of a speech than a story. It was not good. And I love those characters. And I get sometimes the speech is important, but I'm much more connected with the Robin story because it was a story. It was human. It was, it yeah, was I felt like I learned talking. something about the characters. And I felt like I related to the characters. And mm-hmm. that was probably the best one of the, of the bunch. Was that the Cantwell one? 
Mm, Who no, did the Cantwell did the last story, uh, oh, right, right, which right. I'm flipping my way to it. Is that the... They need the, to put in the title who the characters in the story are. Oh, the, the Cantwell ca- one was ca- the Superman su- Constantine super- one, which I liked. Yeah. Yes. That one was just sort of like, hey, we're just telling a story with these characters who happen to be also bisexual. Everyone's bisexual in DC. No one can, No one is allowed <laughs> to actually be gay. It's about love because Constantine's, you know, he's rescuing the soul of a guy he used to love. and But it's not about, you know, hey, look at us. We're bisexual. It's just, it was happened to be about. Like, it was everything you want in a special like this in that story. Was, I thought it was really well done. Yes. And they said it was Oliver. And I was like, is this has something to do with Oliver Queen? But it's not. It's just a different no, name. just something named Oliver. I don't think you can use that name. It means too much. Because then also at the very end, he said, you really think, you know, Superman would have done this for me? And he goes, for Oliver, probably. <laughs> then that made me think, wait, so is it Green Lantern or Green Arrow? <laughs> because the fact is, like, I don't fucking know if Green Arrow was alive in the DCU. Like, that's the truth. Right. I went, I, I don't know. Because he's in this weird, that book right. they just started, he's off in other universes. Or maybe right. he is dead. I mean, I it's, a, it's a loaded name. You're right. It could yes. have just been Bob. Right. Like, if they had called him Bruce, you'd be like, you can't do that. Bruce is taken in DC. If it had been Bruce, it would have been too. You're right. You're right. I didn't think about that, but you're right. So my only problem with the Robin story was Connor Hawk shows up, and I don't know what the character model they're using, but that is not Connor Hawk. <laughs> I was like, is he way different than I thought? And so for like three pages, they didn't use his name, and I was getting actively angry. I was like, you're uh-huh. failing the basic premise of comics here. You need to tell me the name of the person who this is. This is some guy from Titans Academy I don't know anything about. Like, I was getting angry. It was your first instinct that it was Connor, though, right? No. Oh, see, I knew from this outfit, I think. No, I didn't know anything, because I was like, who is this person? Because that's not the model face uh-huh. that Connor Hawk's face, that's not his face. And he's not wearing Green Arrow costume anymore, so uh-huh. I was like, who the fuck is this? You gotta tell me who I'm talking about here. And then he goes, thanks, Connor. I was like, oh, that's Connor, what? Anyway, it didn't detract from the fact the story was good. It was a little wordy and people standing around. Yeah, but I thought the sentiment was good. I also thought the character acting was really good in it, too. Yeah. And there's a second, is it the second page? Yeah, second page is sort of a cutaway of the boat. They're cleaning up, I guess. I don't know. They're cleaning up a fight. But uh, it's one of those sort of things where the panel shows them at different points in time, standing around, like cleaning up guns. It's a nice This has nothing to do with this book necessarily, but how do you feel about bearded hipster Alan Scott? I was like, that dude is not talking like somebody who came up in the 30s and 40s. Right. That story, no. I'm not talking about the story. I just mean in general, because... He has the beard now, which, okay, fine. But then at some point, I don't think it's in this story, but somewhere else in the book, they gave him like Brooklyn barista hair. And I was like, mm-hmm. just because he's gay, he's still from the 1940s. Yes. You know, let's chill out here. Oh, it's it's on page 77. It's pinup. I was like, oh. he looks like he's serving me coffee. I think there is uh, there is a habit of taking these characters and and saying okay, this character is LGBTQ in some way, and then making them look fabulous. Yeah. In a way that, to me, feels like it's, it feels a little stereotypical. Like, it's like all of a sudden, everybody has great hair and knows how to you dress themselves. You grew up themselves. with some non-fabulous LGBTQ people. I certainly did. I was surrounded by them. They exist outside of the, right. outside the cities. Yes, exactly. And it, it's, to me, like, that a little bit smack. And I know that there's a whole culture of things and there's different symbology and things like that so like the shot of you know Catman and whoever this dude is like in oh, bed I looking like i hate that character yeah. looking like a tom of finland drawing like I, I get it like that's the thing but there's a fabulousness that gets added to these characters and they all of a sudden they have haircuts that they didn't have before and it's like well if somebody you know it's possible that when you were in the this, i'm gonna get myself in trouble but i guess it's possible if you're in a closet you are coding yourself in a certain way and then when you come out then you're you know more able to sort of 
be yourself in your image or whatever, but it just feels very conspicuous in these books. Look, at, look at page notice. 77, Alan Scott. I mean, yeah, I saw it. I didn't notice it before, but you know, I skipped a couple of stories I didn't characters I didn't care about, but for the most part, there was a couple. I think there was, if you take the Robin story, the Superboy Constantine story, I, I thought the Batwoman story with the woman who's from Lazarus Planet, I don't know her name is, but I thought that was so- yeah. solid. Steel. What her name? Is that Steele's? Steele's niece story? was solid. Like there was like three or four solid stories. I thought that the one I was a little lost, but the story about the Still Force. I think it's like a she. I don't know. I think I got that. I got the sense that it was a, a trans kid. Which one? The Flash. She's uh, got the Still Force. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jules, whatever. I don't know the character. Mm-hmm. I like the science of that one. I like yeah. the drawing. I like the feeling and the mood of it. Uh, the character was kind of interesting because apparently, I think, you know, maybe like a from a farm, I guess, mm. uh, you know, like a different kind of culture coming from. It was kind of interesting, you know, and then how the other yeah. Flash was sort of, you know, but then they go out for fabulous dancing afterwards. And I was like, all right, let's. I struggled with most of these stories to a certain extent because it, it, it just felt like shallow imagery mm. as a stand in for meaningful conversations about diversity or anything like that. And maybe that's what you could expect out of a DC comic book that is, you know, a bunch of short stories. But I was like, I don't know. I think I expect more, but I don't know. So what are you rating it? Ratings? I thought there was a lot of strong art in it. Mm-hmm. Like I can look at any given page and, and there's interesting things that are happening on, mm-hmm. on many of them. 2.75. I thought it was going to be awful from start to finish and it wasn't. All right. Off. I'm going to give it a three, 3.25. 3.25. There was enough stories in here that I, I didn't. I've read other 100 paid anthologies from DC or whatever that are just like a slog. And this wasn't, there was enough here that I was, in, I was enjoying. I mean, if anything yeah. else, I found it sort of interesting from a, you know, sociology perspective. Just like, what are we going to say here? What is right. it? You've got a chance to convey something. What is it you're going to try to do that? And I don't think it was all necessarily successful, but it is interesting. And in it's that not way. continuing books, so we're not going to talk about it for sticking with it or not. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is how you can vote. Every patron gets a vote. And that's how that you directly support the show. If you enjoy the show, any of the shows we do, we do many shows every month. Many of those shows were unlocked by the patrons. And if you feel like joining up to support the show, keep the lights on, keep the bills paid, we do appreciate that. We are weeks away from announcing a fairly sizable revamping of the patron rewards because as we've been talking about patreon got rid of the stretch goals which is how we've been doing things previously and so it's going to be pretty substantial and so we'll have an announcement for that pretty soon uh, we just finally finished the designs we needed to create and we're good to go so look for that soon fm.threadless.com is our t-shirt store we've got 12 designs we just had a sale last weekend over memorial day a bunch of people bought shirts so thank you for that we should have at least one new design coming there, but we've been talking today about several variations on the theme, so look for that as well, perhaps. FM.com slash support is our digital tip jar via PayPal. FM.com slash Amazon is our link to buy books on Booksplode, our Booksplode books. And uh, you can also shop there as well, general shopping link. And bookshop.org is our partner to help local bookstores out. You can find those links on our Booksplode shows as well. Now let's move on, Josh. Are you excited? You ready? I am. I just, while you were talking, can you imagine what happened to me? Because the, the, I went, the terror. Oh, fuck, I have to do this. And then I checked my little file to see if I had something. And, <laughs> and I do, but unless I say it and you go, you did that already, then we're in trouble. So the patrons who give to the $5 or higher level get a superpower live on the show. Uh, and this week, Josh bestows that power. Wait, hang on a second. Yeah. What are you saying about my dead gay grandmother anyway? Are you saying she's not fabulous? She's she was. Amazing. She wasn't fabulous. She's the most wonderful human who ever walked the photos. face of the earth. 
She looks lovely. <laughs> she isn't fabulous, though. <laughs> she right. looks like an older lesbian from Maine, because that's what she was. <laughs> Seriously, greatest woman to ever walk the entire face of it. My favorite person on earth. Couldn't cook. St- <laughs> I'll talk about my grandma any moment. You know I will. Stuart Shuttler. Stuart Shuttler. 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 Stuart Shuttler has the ability to tell you exactly what you should buy. Uh, you're not sure. You're going to research a product. You're in the store. Should I get this one? Is it on sale? Is it really worth to get it the, or- uh, the organic one? I don't know about the, the, what the vehicle I should get. I, there is the black one that's here, but if I wait a little longer and pay a little bit more, I can get the blue one that I want. He's going to settle all those things for you if you ask him. He'll right. tell you exactly what it is you should buy. Interesting. Yeah. It was good. Because a lot of times I'm like, mm, this one or this one, you know, you never know. Yeah. You make you your best, commit. you make your best guess. Stuart inherently understands what is the best choice to do. So like a few years ago, he, I would have said, you know what? I think I'm going to splurge. I'm going to get the Sony Master Series television. Right. And right. Stuart would say, you do not want to do that. That thing is going to die on you 12 minutes after the warranty's <laughs> up. And then you're just going to throw it in you're a You're never going to let that go. I'm so I on will, your deathbed. You're going to say that fucking Sony TV. I will never buy another Sony product in my entire life. <laughs> I will never fly on United Airlines, at least under my own dime, and I will never buy another Sony product. Will you see a Sony movie? Yeah, that's a different thing. I can't help that. What happened with United? Culmination of things, but like a few years, no, it was more than a few years ago. I I was flying back from San Francisco for work, and there was like a series of problems getting back, and I had tickets to take my kids to his monster truck show and uh-huh. just the rampant disinterest in being helpful. I'm pretty good. I know that the people who work in places are doing a job and they have to do it, yeah. but it was just like, it was infuriating. That feels like every airline though. It is. And I rec- again, I recognize it, but that particular experience put uh-huh. me off the whole thing. My, and my bag got wrecked. Ooh. Like there was like a metal frame in it and it was all banged up. And they were like, I don't know. Well, nothing we can do about that. Just did everything. It all Customer went wrong. Customer service went out the window with the pandemic. You think it would have gone the other way, but it's, it went out the window. Yeah. This was before that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I basically what happened was I got as far as Newark and they couldn't do anything for me. And so I rented a car at 11 p.m. and I drove home mm, overnight. It's a long drive. Then took my kids to a monster truck show two hours away because I didn't want to miss it for them. And then one of them was sick with the flu that whole time. And it was like 95 degrees outside. It was a rough weekend. But the point is, I'm not flying United again, unless they sponsor the show. And then we'll talk about it. Well, thanks for being a patron. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to cross United and Sony off our potential sponsor list. Yeah. Stuart Shuttler, thanks for being a patron. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Anyone at the $5 higher level gets some power live on the show. Josh, why don't you read our first email question? Really, in my mind, I thought we were done. Joshua H. from Australia. I didn't actually mean that wasn't supposed to be an accent. I just fumbled as I was saying mm. the word Australia. Given the last week, pick of the week 880, Connor revealed that he'd gleefully take whatever Faustian deal was offered to him as long as Damien is removed from the DC universe. How would you prefer that deal be handled? A, Damien is removed from DC continuity as if he never was, but we all remember the last 15 years of his comic book existence. B, Damien is removed from DC continuity, but the characters remember him and mourn and mourn and mourn, etc. C, Damien is removed from DC continuity, and all of humanity, both in the comic pages and in our reality, forget he ever was. Well, I mean, come on, Joshua. That's an easy answer. You're going with C. Definitely not two. The last thing you want is this constant on No, you don't want that. I'm fine with A or C, but C is the cleanest one. Just everyone forgets it. (sighs) I think 
I think it has to be A, because if we never knew it, then we cannot learn from it. That's true. Also, look, we enjoyed those early stories in the Batman and Robin book from Graham Morrison and Frank Quietly, and I wouldn't want that to go away. So let's go with A. Let's go with A. Yeah. We all remember because him. Because the fact is, if you doesn't. choose C, that's when the genie gets you, because Damien right. just shows up the next day in the comic book. That's true. A is the answer. A is the answer, for sure. It's the only way you can do it. You have to, If you're ever going to get rid of him, he has to just be wiped, gone. Because as our colleague Ryan talked about, last time we talked about Damien, if you were to kill him off, losing a son would usurp Bruce's pain of losing his parents, and that would change the character completely. However, if you were Tom Taylor, you'd say, oh, there's a story there. <laughs> because he he turns into the Punisher, and literally nobody They've already ruined the character. <laughs> Let's do the second email. Andrew M. This is a very international email section. Andrew M. from Spain. España. Because many Rick Remender books have recently ended, I'm curious to ask, do you have a favorite Remender book? And yes, we do. I think we have the same book. Fear Agent. Fear Agent is our favorite Rick Remender book. Yeah. Fear Agent. He's done Black many really good books second. over the year. Black he Science really is does. second for you. Interesting. Uh, well, there's very, it's very possible I'm forgetting a different one, but I didn't love the 80s teenage assassin Deadly Class. That's not oh, my Deadly favorite. Class. I like Deadly Class a little bit more than Black Science. I, I mean, I, number two might even might be uh, Uncanny X, Avengers, whatever the book was. Oh, I was just thinking of like his creator own stuff. That was one of the best sort of uh, Uncanny Avengers was the one he wrote. He wrote. Uncanny mm-hmm. X Force, no Uncanny Avengers, no Uncanny X Force, Uncanny X Force. Yeah. That's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote both, but Uncanny X Force is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, well, I'll go through some of his titles: Strange Girl, Fear Agent, Black Science, Deadly Class, Low, Tokyo Ghost, Seven to Eternity, Death or Glory, The Scumbag. I really like the scumbag. If I'm just talking about his indie stuff, then it's going to be Fear Agent, Deadly Class, Black Science, Tokyo Ghost. Barely remember that one. Then the scumbag is probably my favorites. Seven to Eternity would never worked for me. I never made it past. I actually read a lot of Low. I may have even finished it. I think I read a couple of maybe maybe two collections. There was something really cool about it. But it was Didn't very really hard to put a thumb on. Strange Girl was really good, but very Strange Girl was good. early, yeah. you know. Yeah. 2005. Fear Asian is like his great album. Like that first, not first, but like the first great album that a band does. You know, that's kind of the one that you remember. It's easy to say that with him because he's a punk rock guy. So uh, 2005, 2007. That's nothing. And in 2007, 2011. That was when it was published. Yeah, but like, just think about it. And just like Tony Moore... And Jerome Pena. Mike Hawthorne. Oh, yeah. Mike and Francisco Vecchia. Yeah. And Kieran Dwyer. Oh, those are, I mean, those artists are all amazing. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's our number one book. If I could recommend any recommender book, it's Fear Agent. It's not like the others. No. Uh, he got very much into a very similar theme exploration for a while. but mm-hmm. And there are certainly things he explores in this and his anxieties and fears and things. Any artist does, but it also has a hell of a lot of fun to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one we always always mention. We haven't talked about it in a long time. We talk about it all the time, but it's been so long. It's been yeah. 12 years since it finished. Oh, oh my God, 12 years. <laughs> Finally, Morgan B. writes, why no legacy numbering in Nightwing? I don't know, Morgan. Ask DC. Hey, well, here's a question that I had. Mm-hmm. Was the Nightwing series always Nightwing? Yes. Or had it been Robin and then turned into Nightwing? No, no, or was, you mean the, the Chuck Dixon series? Yeah, I don't know. I just meant before that. I wasn't sure. Like, did Chuck Dixon do Nightwing. number one? Yeah, yeah. New number one. Okay. He's had several volumes. 
Yeah. But the, does DC? Yeah, they they do legacy numbering, but DC, only on for like some the reason, four. I, I don't understand. Does legacy numbering on four of their titles that I'm aware right. of? The ones from the they start in the golden age. Those are the ones. Not all of them. Detective in action makes sense. Then they they went for legacy numbering on Wonder Woman and the Flash. In fact, next oh. next week is Flash 800. Huh. And I assume it's because Wonder Woman and Flash were hitting 800 soon, so they went to those. But like, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, not Superman and Batman. Nope, just those four. Batman's still on the New 52 numbering, and I don't know what... Superman's just started over with the new number one recently. Yeah, that's crazy. I think from some of the solicitation art we've seen from the like the reboot, like Wonder Woman's getting a new series, I think they're doing legacy numbering on that going forward, where they're going to have like number one on the cover, but you know number 60801 mm-hmm. on the legacy numbering. I don't know. I don't know why they do this. I, I assume it's because, A, action and detective comics are like the originals, so they do that, but... But so would be Batman and Superman. They brought those numberings back years ago when they were about to hit a thousand, if you recall, mm-hmm. and they yes, just kept I it do. going. Uh, Wonder Woman and Flash, I, again, I assume because they're both hitting eight hundred this month. But the other ones, I don't know why they don't do them. When was Batman? When was Batman number one? Originally, 40? yeah, nineteen forty. Forty, okay, a few years after. He appeared in thirty-nine Detective Comics. I think it was the next year he got his own book. Right, that's amazing. You know how long yeah. ago that was? <laughs> a long time. It's <laughs> amazing, and yet not true. Less than 100 years. But even the fact that it's close to 100 years. Like, yeah. when you were a kid, 100 years prior was in the 1800s. Right. Sorry, I can't keep do, I can't do this age math thing. It'll mess me up bad. <laughs> it's weird, though, Morgan. I mean, the, the sort of random... I mean, I get... It's not totally random, but, you know, I think they're going to take the page out of Marvel's playbook, and if these things I've seen are correct, and they're going to I mean, start it's, putting, like, it's always there. Like, they can do it at any point. They know where they are. You know, it's they, they take it or leave it. You know, it's just. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because next <laughs> week starts like an, I think the official sort of Donna DC Batman the next issue, and I don't know if they're going to do legacy numbering on that wouldn't or it, not. Wouldn't it be funny if uh, there's a reason on Nightwing is because they literally don't know? Like there was a mistake. <laughs> we can't. We we tried. We had a team working on it. The math just didn't work. We don't know, so we can't. <laughs> the biggest loss to the comics community is, is continues to be comic database. That was the biggest <laughs> loss. Fucking Amazon took it and buried it. I don't blame the guys for selling. So, Nightwing, the original Nightwing. Well, I mean, there's been several, there's been a lot of volumes. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of volumes of it. They're up to what are they in the 80s now on this one? This is the new 52. No, 104. Right. Okay. So 104 was last week. Yeah. Maybe Tom Taylor took over in, in the, the 90s. 90s. There was a volume that went one third. Like it was up there. It was over 100. Oh yeah, the the, the Chuck Dixon one went over. But I'm trying to figure if there's more than one volume. No, the first volume, the Chuck Dixon one went 153 issues. I mean, a long time. And then, well, no, I guess it's only been the two volumes. So it's been 153 plus 104. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Seems like it might be higher, but yeah. I don't know. It's been a lot of issues in that way. <laughs> you know, we used to be pro-redumbering, but you grow and you change and your opinions change. and Whatever. It Do is both. what it is. I don't, care. I don't care as long as the other number is available. So I can say, oh, wow, 500 There's issues. There's such great history of seeing. Yes. You know. Yeah, that's it. Doctor Strange number 429 versus Doctor Strange was a number three or whatever it is yeah. this week. Well, the, the newer rebooted numbers don't mean anything. They don't yeah. give you any sense of history. They don't let you know how long this has been around, Continuity. how long it has changed. Yeah. 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 Anyway, thanks for writing in Joshua, Andrew, and Morgan. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in. And you can also write in for a Media Explode show. Just put Media Explode in the title. So our other podcast that we mentioned earlier this past week, we had our Media Explode show where we talked about Return of the Jedi. It was the 40th anniversary. Josh and Ron went to see it in theaters. I, I watched it again on 
Disney Plus, and we talked about it. It was a super fun discussion. Oh, I'm afraid your podcast <laughs> will be quite downloadable by the time Fritz uh, arrives. Oh, fucking movie, so awesome. Sp- uh, next week, we should have a review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We're working all that stuff out. There's a lot of movies coming out in the next eight weeks, so we're trying to figure all that scheduling out. But the plan is to have a review for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with another media split. We're trying to, we have to squeeze it in there. We're going to be talking about the series finales of Ted Lasso and Succession and Barry and maybe The Flash and sort of a you know roundup of a bunch of big shows that we've been following. Shit, I, I knew say. I had to finish Barry, but I didn't know I had to finish Ted Lasso. Well, geez, man. Yeah. The playoffs, man. They screwed it all up. Uh, there I you forgot go. about it, though. And the problem with that is that Ted Lasso jumped from 30 minutes to an hour this season. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. God damn 13 it. 13 episodes, too. So there you go. Those are coming up, and we got a bunch of shows. There'll be a flash review, and we'll, we'll just we'll figure it out as we get closer. Friends, you can find our library of over one thousand three hundred shows and counting, or twenty six series of fifty shows each at ifanboy.com, wherever you get your podcasts, those kind of places. You can follow us at ifanboy comics on Instagram, where Connor and I are individually CS Kilpatrick and Jay Flanning. But under that ifanboy account, you will find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out there will be a post there that say hey the show is out in case you didn't know or you don't have your your podcast app set to automatically download and let me ask you why you don't have that going on you probably have unlimited data by now so it doesn't matter yeah it's true sometimes there's the best of the week in panels there's the clinging remains of our social media presence probably not this week just probably guess guessing just because yes well um, listen if he did it he would put up ben Grimm's butt that would be the best <laughs> thing there End of story. I might sneak that one in. I'm sick and I've got baseball tickets on Saturday. I'm hoping to be good enough to go to that. So I may not be able to do it. Saturday's my day to do it. And if I'm, if I'm gone Saturday, it's over. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it Friday night. Who knows? But then how I feel. Oh, we're, we're, I mean, subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy. That's where you'll find all of our old video shows. And we post this show there every week as well. So if you want to, there's, there's a lot of fear agent content on that channel. Fuck. I stopped using that word for so long. There's a lot of fear agent shows. I, I know for sure we t- we talked about the collections. Did we do a show on fear agent? I can't remember. We ah, uh, we must have. And if we didn't, we might have. We did. We must have. Anyway, if you're at all curious, we talked about the on the old shows. And hey, consider leaving us a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever they uh, come into your ears. Consider leaving us a review. Yeah. I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That it just came out that way. We moved. <laughs> we moved past it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm going to now uh, stop talking because it's it hurts. First of all, I played a little ruse at the beginning of the show because I was not looking forward to talking about it, but I also knew I would love my comics. Then by the end of it, I would be very happy. And yeah. I was anticipating that transformation, and it happened. And I'm very Good. happy about that. Good. So let's see. I work in a place that deals with electricity Ooh. as a concept. There's electrical engineers and things like that. They use the word load a lot. Uh-oh. And a lot of times I, I'm, I'm working rem- remotely most of the time and you'll hear somebody, one of them has an accent and he just keeps saying load, load. And I try not to laugh. I was in the office last week and uh-huh. <laughs> there was a call. Somebody <laughs> used the phrase drop a load. <laughs> and and I, I, I had the smallest the smallest smirking reaction and the person next to me goes i have been trying not to laugh at that for 15 years and you are screwing it up <laughs> and then i couldn't rein it in it happens yeah it drop happens. a load it was it's a problem it would be funny if it was a boston accent but i understand he did have that i just can't do it as well 
Oh, he has a magnificent, not Boston, but like Sudbury, like mm. like a like an outer like Andover accent. Oh, it's so good. Are we are we done? Yeah, I guess that's a very special glimpse into your workday, which I guess okay. we all enjoyed. <laughs> you guess we did. I guess we did. <laughs> you can only speak for you. I enjoyed it. But, okay, I enjoyed well that, it. that's all. That's all I go for. I just I can only assume. We can wait yeah. and find out from the people. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that because it was purient. Like it, it included like a dirty word, like a sure. drop a load, and then and then laughing in a meeting. We've all laughed at a meeting before. You're just ruining culture wherever you go. Yeah, I can't help it. The culture did it to me. I'm just reacting to it. All right. Well, until next week, I'm be I'm gonna be coming back healthier and stronger than ever. My name is Connor. Unless you're not, in which case <laughs> this is your last show, and uh, you know this would be pretty awful if this is how I ended it. But let's hope. So it is what it is. It's most likely, I think, I don't know the math on this, but you'll probably be fine. I hope so. I think yeah, so. I, I, I know, though. I really do know. hope so. I want you to be okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love you. Bye-bye. I love you, too. Bye. fact is cold as hell and there's no one there